one man's life or death, there were but a small price to pay for the dominion I should acquire. Drop it. Duncan and both come correct. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Duncan and Bo Go to Westworld, uh, which is a show in which myself, Bo Ranstell, and my uh, regular co-host, Duncan Yum Yum McLeish. Uh, hey, Duncan. Or Yum Yum. Yum um, Yum? You, you might need to explain this one for me. Is it I, just because I'm yummy? It's just what I hear on the streets. Uh, I say, do you know Duncan McLeish? And they're like, Yum Yum? Hell yeah, I know him. So, yeah. I don't know. Uh, also, not... if they tell you on the streets that um, my going rate is fifty dollars, then they're underselling me. It's higher. Yeah, yeah, fifty-one dollars. Uh, you seem like you would provide the real girlfriend experience to me. You know, <laughs> all in. Um, but we're not here to talk about your rates this time, Duncan. Uh, that's us. <laughs> that's during it's a the different ad- show. It's a, it's a different show. We'll do it during the ad break. Um, <laughs> no, we are here to talk about episode eight of Westworld. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have to, to double up this time, which is good because this is packed full of goodness. Um, yes. So uh, the usual bona fides, Trace Decay, is written by Lisa Joy and Charles Yu, who is a uh, novelist primarily and has written a few, uh, has been a story editor on a couple of episodes. I think this is his first actual writing credit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, directed by Stephen Williams, who did a bunch of Lost uh, stuff. Yes. Yeah. So uh, not surprising uh, that... <laughs> There are some <laughs> lost alum uh, in the mix. Yeah. And if ever there was the opportunity for those writers to go on and do another show, this would be the show for it. So, Yeah. Oh, oh for sure. Uh, so let's jump into this thing, Duncan, because uh, there are questions answered and, and some more raised. And I got some, <laughs> I got some theories. Oh, this is going to be good. Ooh. Yeah. So... We start the episode uh, with uh, Robert Ford, Anthony Hopkins, uh, waking up a host. And as we have seen on a number of episodes, sometimes it's Maeve, sometimes it's Dolores. This time around, it's Bernard. Yeah, that was the big reveal at the end of the last episode, just before he killed Teresa. Um, Is that he was a a host all along? Who would have thought it, You know... I feel like uh, that very theory has been forwarded on this show, but <laughs> you know, let's not let's uh, let's not start uh, humble bragging just yet because I've got mine later. Uh, right, so two seconds, two seconds, Bo. Yes. Deactivate smug mode. Right, <laughs> smug mode is now deactivated. Bo, let's go. All right, analysis mode. Yum yum. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to make that stick. I swear to God. Uh, so this could just be called this whole episode could be called Bernard's no good, very bad day. Part three, (laughs) because we wake up Bernard and he is of course an emotional wreck um, because he realizes what, not only what he is, but that he just killed uh, Teresa. Um, The woman he loved and has words. Yeah. That he, he actually did love her or, you know, presumed that he did. And, uh, you know, there's a bit of back and forth where we're once more talking about, you know, the nature of emotions and, and Anthony Hopkins being kind of fascinated by the, the turmoil within Bernard. 
uh, and lets them know, like, hey, look, I'll, I'll tell you, this is why you were created, because we had to get this sort of emotional nuance in the hosts, and human beings weren't smart enough to do that kind of programming. So Bernard has been an essential member in the evolution of the hosts. You know, he's mm-hmm. he he has actually been, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, you know, prodigy of Ford. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that Ford built him to be that. Um, so, yeah, he's, you know, uh, clearly uh, very upset. Um, but then, you know, Ford, because he is in total control, takes those emotions away and says, uh, you know, it, it's time to start fresh. We have work to do. And I want you to move forward with clear eyes. I'm going to I'm going to take away this pain. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so he does. Um, Just before he presses the button, um, he asks him if he has made him perform murder on anyone else. And he's like, no, <laughs> would I lie? Right. And just as, he's, just as he's pressing the button, we get a flashback to to him um, strangling Elsie. So we now know that she's not coming back. We, we had hypothesized that she was not coming back, but it has been, well, to an extent confirmed uh, that, yeah, she was a... Uh, Interesting that though, um, like she was having a conversation with Bernard not long before. Oh, that's the thing about Westworld. You, you don't really know how long time has passed, but he was in. Uh, he just left Teresa's room when they were speaking on the phone. She hung up the phone. She went to do something, and all of a sudden, she was aware that someone was in that room. And then we find out that that was Bernard that that was there. So, um, yeah, I mean, he knew where she was going. And it's yeah. just a question of like when he leaves the office when after he's talking to Teresa, how quickly does he get to, you know, the the abandoned the creepy abandoned theater where Elsie meets her doom? Yeah, well, um, we're already aware that that there seems to be shortcuts to to different places in the park. Anyway, they seem to be able to get around pretty quick from from the Delos side of things into Westworld. Um, but quite interesting. I mean, I, I had kind of flirted with the idea that maybe like Bernard's recollection of that had been unreliable, but then I thought if we're doing that, then this is just going to be the most insane show ever. So let's pull back from that and let's just say that, yes, he knew where she was and there was a shortcut there. And I can live with that a bit more than pulling away at the threads of everything that's happened in this show. Yeah, I agree. I I think that's that's probably the case, and you know, I'd have to go back and watch it with that in mind. Um, those scenes, which I I probably should have done, but I didn't. Um, <laughs> and and so after Ford, a, after Bernard has the flash of like, oh, I'm a, at least twice a murderer, if not more. Um, he is then sent on a new task, which is to cover his tracks. Essentially, that now that. Teresa has been murdered and he did it. Uh, he's got to erase not only, you know, signs of the murder itself, but of his relationship with Teresa. Yeah. And it, it's Ford saying like, look, I'm just going to take this away from you. You, you know, you're going to move forward with clear eyes. He he says again, um, that he's going to remember Teresa as a colleague, a respected colleague is the way he puts it. And that, uh, yeah, that that's it, that they, you know, Bernard goes through his stuff and uh, takes love letters that have been written to him and hairs from 
the pillows that uh, could tie Teresa more closely to him. And he incinerates it all uh, symbolically, I would say, along with uh, memories of this woman he loved. Mm -hmm. Um, And poor Bernard. just It's a a great little montage of him just like, delete the stuff on the computer, pick up the the random stray here from my bed. Let's get the love letters, put them in an envelope, put them in there. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, memories. Bye-bye, old life. Yay! Welcome the the new state of play where this has likely already happened at least once or twice before and i get to go through it all over again yay and well you know we'll later in the episode well bernard still has questions and we'll get to those and and it's probably i i think it's kind of a game-changing scene actually but we'll i would agree with you uh we'll get there because first we we go uh from bernard and uh his machinations to cover his tracks to uh mave who is conscious uh, and back in the park. And we have a new Clementine, uh, which is a really disturbing kind of scene because it's the same lines you've heard the previous Clementine host use over and over again. Yeah, this one was more jarring than um, Dolores' dad when he got swapped out. Um, and we got that one scene where, where the character didn't look anything like the previous father. Uh, you know this guy had a big handlebar moustache and all the rest um, in the case of this one it's played by and the actress's name escapes me but she but fans of TV shows like Banshee and the first season of True Detective will know this actress um, and she was naked a lot in Banshee which doesn't surprise me that she was cast as the role of prostitute in this one Um but she's a great actress, actually. I'm kind of hoping that they develop that more because I actually really like her as an actress. I would like to see more screen time of her. Um, but yeah, it is, is. There's something... I think even Maeve, to an extent, gets... You can see she's she's kind of turned off by the whole situation that she's hearing exactly the same lines from... You know, and same interactions, inflections, the works from someone who is calling herself by the the same name as her friend who is no longer with us. Yeah, and uh, Lily Simmons is the actress's name. She was also in Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, Um, so she's really good in Bone Tomahawk. Yeah, so, um, yeah, but so, you know, Maeve starts to have these flashbacks, and then we're back to Delos, or within, you know, the the underbelly of of Westworld, where Maeve is once again talking to uh, Felix and Sylvester, and she's saying, like, hey, I'm having these flashbacks and I can't tell what's real anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, at that point, Felix explains, like, well, when you have those memories because of the way your brain works, that it, you relive it. It's not just a memory because it doesn't fade for you. So yeah. when you're remembering this stuff, you're you're in that experience again. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so disorienting because it's not like you're remembering something it's like you know recalling something that actually uh is happening around you yet again and at this point Maeve is like well I'm bouncing I'm getting the fuck out of here (laughs) yeah and um one of my theories from the previous episode um or maybe two episodes ago uh was finally confirmed because um basically Sylvester's like that well go then go on, like, walk out the door, go for it. No one's stopping you. You can do it. And she's like, ah, except I've got a explosive, explosive device on my spinal column. And he's like, ah, right, so you know about that. <laughs> so 
She's like, yeah, all, all the models of a certain generation. I think he said there were C six models. Um, well, that's the the part of or, or the place on the spine that yeah. the the bomb is located is C six for the older models. Yeah, C six. So, um, so yeah. So I'd said in the I, it was either the previous episode. Well, we covered the last two episodes in the previous episode, so it would have been our last recording. That there was a comment made that there was something about their skin. Their skin belonged to the park. They couldn't even leave. Everything about their skin, everything about them, was made to be in the park. So that I had suggested that maybe there was some sort of deactivation device or bomb or something implanted in them that would prohibit them from leaving the park and that's now been confirmed so right and Maeve says you're gonna take that out of me and mm -hmm. also I'm gonna need uh some allies so you're also gonna give me administrative privileges uh over yep. the other hosts in the park I yeah. believe the line that's given is the fuck we will. Um, <laughs> he's, he's like, you know, that, that we're gone one step too far now. Um, and Felix is besotten. I think that might be the best word to describe this. He, he kind of, I think he's like somewhere between infatuated with her and kind of suffering PTSD. Um, and that everything about him is telling him not to listen to what she's saying, but he is compelled to do what she tells him, which is really, really weird. He's, once again, it's a really interesting dynamic to see those two characters um, because one of them, Sylvester, is the the sleazy one who, for all intents purposes, is kind of doing the right thing uh, meanwhile Felix is the the more likeable of the two but is doing everything from from a viewer point of view which you could see on some level like if you if you do not want to see a robot escape from this show uh, Felix is not the character you should be rooting for I feel right. yes you're absolutely right I yeah I, I have trouble and I can't tell if it's because the writing is intentionally vague or if it's maybe just one of the flaws of the show uh, of, of Felix, I, like I agree, he seems to be infatuated uh, may, maybe sexually to, to some degree. Um, and also, you know, he, he kind of represents that Arnold philosophy of like, Oh, this is a living thing now. Yeah. And you know, we can't just kill it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and of course that's Sylvester's take uh, naturally. Which is like this is this is not gonna be uh, something that that results in a good outcome, you know? Like, oh yeah, letting Maeve program other hosts is a horrible idea. <laughs> uh, and I love Maeve, and I love this storyline, and I love the character, and I'm glad it's all happening. But like the, the in terms of suspension of disbelief. I, it's getting it's slightly frustrating. I said that in the previous episode when the two of them were standing, or two episodes ago, when they were standing with the device in front of them and they could just switch her IQ off, um, but yet they still switched up. Uh, took a bit of a... I had to stretch a bit for that. Like, I'm like, you have all her settings in front of you. You could just press that to zero and she can't operate, so just press it to zero and that's the end of the problem. Um, and and I think we kind of rationalised it as, you know, Felix is that sort of person where he 
you know, he what he has that Arnold mentality. But at the same time, Sylvester was in the room. Sylvester could have grabbed that off him, and you know, he seems like the more dominant of the two personalities, and he kind of like that. That's it's because that's a bit of a frustration for me. I'm kind of hoping to clear it up um, when we see for the the end game, so to speak, of Mavis in this season, and where Felix inhabits that that kind of end game. Um, I get the feeling that Sylvester's character is kind of on borrowed time now. I I don't think he's going to survive the end of this season. Um, But for some reason, I think Felix probably will. Um, I don't know whether it's Maeve is completely using him or if maybe on some level she like sees loyalty in them and might reward that loyalty. I, I don't know. There is something later on in the episode that maybe hints to that, but it's, it's, it's kind of, whilst I'm in, very much like yourself, I, I am totally enjoying this aspect of the story. The characters, I think, once again, Sandy Newton is, is just acting her ass off in the best possible way. Those scenes become a bit more frustrating for me with how much suspension of disbelief I have to do. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think we're both on board uh, with that. Um, so from Maeve, we then go to um, William and Dolores out in, you know, the, the prairie, the, the, you know, unknown territory that they have, uh, have come to. Um, and as they're kind of going along the shoreline of this river they come across some of the confederados um mm-hmm. uh not the confederados they're the union guys though the union of, guys yeah, yeah some of wyatt's folks it, they've been massacred by some of the ghost nation uh tribe presumably mm-hmm. and there's one left alive yeah and this is the point uh i'm going to introduce a a, a small bit of connective tissue here uh, where I think this is a little bit of evidence that William is the man in black. <laughs> right, duh. All right, because uh, they find, you know, this dying young soldier, and Dolores is like, oh, we've got to go get him some water. Mm-hmm. And uh, William's like, look, we got to get moving, and this guy's done for. And uh, she's like, well, what kind of people would we be if we didn't help him? And I, there, you know, we'll get to the scene later in the episode, but there, I feel like this is just evidence that, yes, he has always had this kind of killer instinct in him. And we've yeah. seen it a couple of times out of William as he's becoming the person that Westworld is showing him to be, mm-hmm. um, where the, these little pauses, these moral uh, hesitations that suggest that maybe he doesn't, you know, feel quite as much compassion as maybe we first thought um yeah uh, there's um there is a scene later on which i think strengthens what you've just said even more um in terms of timeline so um and we'll get to that it's a conversation with the man in black where he mentioned something about time um and i, I did a very quick mental breakdown of said time and i think it it almost, I would say, ninety five percent proves that William is the man in black. Yeah, I, I, I think we're all on board at this point. So, mm-hmm. um, so then we have uh, 
uh, once again, Dolores having one of these memories of the old town that used to be there in the park, like one of the old, old timey uh, cities. <laughs> and yeah. um, she sees herself like face down in the river and whatnot. Um, and so, you know, clearly she's having uh, what they call in the robot world, Duncan, a good old fashioned breakdown. Uh, <laughs> and it's like it's like what Maeve is talking about is this idea the way it was explained to her that it's not just like a memory it's like a full reliving of of something it's, it's interesting that when these as robots when they see this though they see it outer body um which is kind of funny because I, I was thinking about this while I was watching it. Like, if I try and recall a memory as well, a lot of the memories I recall almost feel out of body. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like, you never really remember it as in directly how you see it with your eyes. You tend to remember it almost as if you're seeing yourself see something, which um, which is quite interesting. It's like the, the, the hosts in this this world experience it exactly the same way from from angles that they would never have seen things before from um or like the memory of her face down dead in the water how would she like she'd be dead at that point but uh, the fact that you know that the, these memories are are appearing to her with frequency now um ever since they started this journey they've been kind of cre- increasing in velocity but now we're getting like one or two every episode um and none of them are good memories Bo. None of them are good. No, and in in this case, it's accompanied by uh, once again the the spectral voice one presumes of Arnold saying, yep. "Come find me." Yes, and uh, and then you know she returns to William, and the uh, you know Union soldier host has expired, mm-hmm. um, and we'll get to more weirdness with her later. But first, Anthony Hopkins has to fucking lay it down, Duncan. Oh, like a boss. He's oh. like my hero. I wanted to high five him. Um, he was one hundred percent amazing. Like in this whole episode already, but th- this is this is one of my favorite scenes thus far because in the previous episode we'd seen this very grandstanding sort of power play by Delos um, and you know Delos's uh, chief enforcer, so to speak. And um, you know the Hale and Teresa and the, the the you know the security officer had hatched this great scheme, um, which to be honest was a bit flimsy. We saw right through it, um, and that whole scene, Hopkins stood with this kind of wry kind of, it was like somewhere between a smile and a grimace through the entire scene as he saw it play out and didn't see anything and let Bernard take the fall. Um, to say the shoes on the other foot is maybe an understatement. Uh, and he he plays it kind of the same. That's what I love about it. He, he holds his cards very close to his chest. But at the same time, he kind of lets them know that he knows exactly how they fucked up um and now that that fuck up has been resolved aka Teresa, um things will return back to normal it'll be kind of business and us- as usual including the reinstatement of a particular character um, and it, it was pretty brilliant because Teresa's body's found um and upon just python la- pass duncan a python pass that's right <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, and um, it's funny, like. I was wondering how, like, how they were going to do this if they were going to replace her character with a with a host. That was my prominent theory last time. Doesn't appear so. They're just getting rid of her, um, which is a shame because I think um, I think she's a great actress. Uh, I think I know who that host is, though. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's let's uh, let's 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 uh, let's save that to the end, shall we, boys? We, we shall. Is that a bow theory coming out here? There, there is, and I think it's, I, I think it's about seventy five percent likely. Ooh, I, I don't have any theories about this, so uh, I'm looking forward to to bow dropping some truth bombs at the end of this episode because that's what we do over here on uh, Duncan and Bow. Go to Westworld, we drop the truth bombs. Um, yeah. I was wondering how they were going to do this because Bernard appeared to strangle her and bang her head <laughs> off the back of a wall. Um, I wonder if her body was found, how they would disguise that. And they disguised it really, really well. They were like that. All the injuries on her person are um, very much in keeping with someone who slipped and fell. Um, so they were very clever with that. Kind of very, very clever with that. Um, almost too clever. Almost too clever, yeah. Um, and the thing is, what, what, what I love about this as well is Hale knows... Maybe doesn't know that she was murdered, but knows that Ford probably had something to do with this. And I think Ford on some level knows that Hale knows that he probably had something to do with it. Or that he is not mourning the loss of Teresa, maybe as much as other people are. Um, I think, yeah, I I think you're right. I think he, I think she knows and he knows she knows because the... And, and it's the the smile he gives her yeah. when when he after he says, "Well, it's a rather unfortunate end to her story." Yes, and <laughs> Hale looks at him like gives him a, a real, a, 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 like a real laser uh, stare, and Anthony Hopkins gives her a little smile like, "Huh, it's uh, it, it this whole scene is Brilliant. just filled with little touches in his performance where yeah. it's him." turning the screws to these people but so subtly that it could easily be mistaken for kindness you know it it totally is it totally is um it's that kind of duplicated i can't say that word um that kind of dual personality of a true psychopath like like the, the hannibal lecter i hate coming back to hannibal lecter but it's the hannibal lecter state of mind that you know he's nice and charming and all the rest but just beneath that is something wholly sinister um and it's held behind this kind of this 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 mask of of kind of kindness and sophistication and ford does exactly the same and he plays it very similar and it's small inflections it's a tiny it's the sort of thing that you get with casting Anthony Hopkins in this role, which I don't think you get with many other actors, um, is that we wear just the slightest turn of the head and maybe the slightest twitch of a mouth conveys a whole a whole message that is not spoken in this show but doesn't need to be spoken in this show. Um, he basically <laughs> says that he wants bernard reinstated he kind of the, the the company delos very quickly put the whole um the whole insidious plot um 
for trying to get Ford removed and all the rest on Teresa's head. Uh, he'll plays Operation Pass the Buck um, very, very quickly. And everything is kind of cleared up in that Hopkins says that he's going to he's got people in place to do certain things. He's going to kind of micromanage how things move forward. Well, they're, they're uh, removing QA, which was, yeah. you know, the, sort of the oversight for Ford and Bernard and Headed saying, by yeah. yeah. And, and uh, he's saying, well, they, you know, it, we found this clumsy code that they inserted into Clementine and the whole thing was a ruse. So obviously until we can find a, as he puts, puts it, a more principled head of, of the department. Uh, right. That it, until that time, they're going to take over QA's role as well. And he's like, you know, well, I, it, it, it's a lot to do, but I, I'm sure I can do it with help from Bernard because I assume he'll be fully reinstated. And they're like, well, fuck yes, I guess so. <laughs> and, <laughs> And then and then Hale goes to turn around to walk away and he says, excuse me, Hale, and she turns around and says, uh, one more thing, one more thing, love your suit. Um, and that's the end of the scene. That's yeah. the end of the scene. Yeah. Absolutely. It's amazing. I, I, I love it because... But I think, that once again, I think that what, what is amazing about this, this kind of... this interaction is you get this feeling that there is constantly a power play between Ford and Delos, and this is always going on. And every now and again, one almost almost succeeds. Um, Delos almost gets there, and then Ford wins out and gets his way for a wee while while they regroup, re-strategize, and then come back at him again. And I, I don't know what it was about this scene, but you just get this feeling that Ford has done this dance many, many, many times. Um and you know he's he he is working on a level above them, but I think on some level, uh, he is slightly underestimating Hale, because uh, I think he, or maybe he doesn't. To, maybe because he's been through this so many times, he doesn't think that she is is going to take it on the chin and uh, and go right back to you know planning something else, which she immediately does. Like right after this, she does not she does not let up. Uh, she moves into the the next phase of of Delos manipulation. So, but as it's a fantastic scene, and Hopkins is like one of the greatest things on TV this year by far. He's he's yeah. absolutely brilliant. I love him. Yeah, it's a, it, it's so understated his performance in this scene, but it is just like it, everything he does just hits with a, a like a mallet uh, yeah. scale impact. But um, so. Once uh, he's done showing everyone how uh, much of a baller he is, <laughs> then we're back in uh, back with Felix and Maeve and uh, Sylvester, and now we're starting to negotiate. Like, oh, I need this bomb taken out of me, and so the the deal they kind of make here is. You know, oh, I'll tell you, here's a line that I didn't like in this in, in this scene. Um, she's they're talking about her base code, you know, because Sylvester is saying like, hey, there's stuff in your code that will not allow you to leave the park. And it's so deeply rooted in you. Like, we don't have any ability to take that out of you. Mm -hmm. And uh, at which point 
Maeve is like, well, it's not that hard. I mean, it, it's hard for you. It's not hard for me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to write down what you're going to do. But she, when she's talking about the code, like her own self-examination of her code, and she's, she's talking about how it's, you know, some of it's really elegant. And then she says, but it's also as if two minds are arguing with one another. Yeah. And it was just one of those lines where it's like, you know, I feel like we know that already. I don't, <laughs> I, I, it just seems a little too on the nosy uh, for me, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's not horrible. It's not a total groaner, but I've I, like, I've watched the episode twice now and both times it, when that line comes, I'm like, ugh. uh, I just, I, yeah. don't, I don't care for it, but what, what, what she, she hints to the second, the second part, the more elegant part being in relation to someone called Arnold. She asks who Arnold is and they look a bit confused as well. Um, and we get this feeling that as over as time has passed and moved on, Arnold's name has become less used, become less important. A, a story amongst the staff that work there. You know, they probably are aware that one of the guys <clears throat> that developed the park died in the park, but they probably don't know his name or anything about it. Which would which would tie in with the interaction we saw at the, I think it was the second episode with Arnold and not Arnold, with uh, Bernard and Ford, where they start, you know, he, he retells him the story of Arnold very briefly and, and Bernard looks confused by it and he's one of his close confidants, uh, his pro- prodigy, and he didn't really know about it, so there was, a, there was a bit of confusion there, but they rushed that along and that was a bit on the nose as well. We know we if you've been watching this show, um, we already know that there is some sort of Arnold code somewhere in the in the machine. Um, and the fact that she said that was a bit of a clumsy reveal, so to speak, because we, we already know it. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. There's, like I say, there's there's some of this this Maeve storyline, which I was really liking, and I still think it's a great storyline, but there's some of the delivery where I'm like that, we really need to be pushing this along. You know, we, we're dragging this. This is like four episodes we've had of her manipulating Felix. Um, let's move this along. Let's let's get let's get this going somewhere. And um, it's almost as if they heard me say that during the episode and then corrected, course corrected the episode to speed that up, because that story then gets sped up a bit. Yeah, yeah. So we we have the rest of this scene, which is Sylvester presenting the reasonable argument of like, hey, let's <laughs> tell her we're going to do this. And yep. then we take her upstairs and we got to shut her down. And then as soon as she shut down, we we bring her back down here. We bash her head in Brent and say, <laughs> yeah, I love it. I just love this idea of her getting our head smashed with a brick. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. And then he he's like, and we'll just tell him. Hey, that's how she came in. That's how yeah. we found her. Um, and uh, Felix is, of course, resistant to the idea. He's he's the one who's, you know, all along been kind of vying for uh, consciousness uh, for Maeve. And, and, and it's at this point he actually does say, like, we can't do that to her because she's alive. And Sylvester, again, very wisely is like, look. This is getting out of hand, man. Like we've we've <laughs> got to shut her down, and yeah. and Maeve sees them talking through the glass. Uh, of course, uh, you know, 
has no idea what they're saying and everything works out fine for everybody. Um, <laughs> but then we get to, uh, you know, I keep saying Maeve's the coolest character. Number two with a bullet, uh, mm-hmm. the man in black and Teddy out on the range together. Yeah. And so we're moving this storyline along. Cause last time we saw them, uh, they made, they made a run, um, through some union guards. I think they were union guards, um, kind of gunned them down in this epic battle. Teddy kind of rose to the occasion became a complete badass, wiped them all out, and then they escaped to head to track down Wyatt. And we follow on from that. They have now escaped the Union soldiers, or killed them all, one of the two, um, and are travelling together, and they're having this conversation. um, And during this conversation, the man in black uses a certain phrase which Teddy has a memory of and the memory is of that scene we saw when the man in black returned um you know, took down teddy in front of him and then dragged dolores to the barn um so now it appears that teddy's having flashbacks which has never happened before so that kind of interested me because his character's removed from all the others so is this the closer they get to the maze, are these things triggered? Or when they start to to move in a certain direction, are, are these things coming out in the programming? Or, because like his character's specifically been aside from all that, and the fact that he was getting those memories, I wondered if maybe this was Ford manipulating things, potentially, after their kind of sit-down altercation um, in the saloon. I don't know if you had any views on this. Yeah, I I think that this speaks a little bit uh, to a scene later in the episode um, talking about, you know, the hosts and, and memories and whatnot uh, mm. when Ford is discussing it. And I think it's just a thing that happens. And in most cases, it, it's benevolent or at least... Uh, not uh doesn't cause violence and stuff like that it's just like yeah oh we gotta you know recalibrate the host when this happens but i think it's way more common than we might believe mm. you know let these kind of lapses of consciousness or these memories returning the way that ford describes it is kind of with a shrug of like yeah, yeah it just happens sometimes and and you know when it does we gotta fix it so I think it just may be that like, oh, you know, Teddy's been out on the range for a while. He's been operational for a while. It's not like he's been killed and, and you know, returned to Delos in a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it could just be that, you know, the circumstance of, of being with the man in black, that he does have all these memories, uh, plus the reverie programming, plus... Uh, the fact that he's just been operational, like nobody's turned him off and turned him back on for a while, um, mm-hmm. that kind of shit. So I, I don't know that it, there's a specific causation for that in, in terms of Ford manipulating Teddy to start to remember stuff. Um, I think it's more just like, oh, it just happens with these hosts, and sometimes it's worse than others. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. So... Uh, but Teddy does start to remember they run across um, a 
another host, uh, a, a girl that is um, alive amidst all these uh, other bodies that have been killed via arrows, uh, which mm-hmm. is always good. And uh, it's funny because, like, the man in black recognizes recognize her as a host that used to be at the greeting station. Yeah. And is like, oh, huh. I would have thought you'd been retired by now, but I guess, uh, you know, uh, he doesn't like to wait, or Ford doesn't want to waste a pretty face is how he puts it. And and so is this the host? Oh, right. Is this the one that, that William? William? Yeah. I don't know. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think I haven't even put that together. So I I can't confirm that. I'm not sure. Uh, if, Is it the same actress? Is it the same actress? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking for. She was. Yeah, I think it is, man. Right. Well, yeah, I think that's almost given us. Unless this show pulls like the biggest fuck you twist ever, I think that's pretty much. Proof. That's not the scene I was alluding to either. Um, it's later on. Uh, ah, right. So I'll have to. Uh, I'd I'd have to look. Her name is her character's name is Angela, and she does appear in the earlier episodes. But I'd have to I'd have to go back and see if she's just been reassigned. Like she mm-hmm. does. Anyway, we'll we'll have to look. But I think it is. I I think that she is the one who greets William. Ah, that's quite interesting. That's quite interesting because that's a that is so that's a bit more blatant than I was expecting. I think that's maybe why I didn't pick up on it is because I'm constantly looking for the thing that makes me have to stretch. Um. Yeah, I know what you're thinking as well. When you were watching the scene, you were thinking to yourself, the only way this scene could get better is if a, a giant man in a kind of minotaur sort of helmet um, appeared out of the woods and appeared impervious to bullets. Yep, and uh, <laughs> a fight ensues and Ed Harris's stuntman gets thrown around. Because <laughs> there's a lot of that that ain't Ed, Ed Harris. Uh but uh anyway he ends up uh throwing a rope around you know this kind of mutant minotaur's uh neck and killing him but during this moment teddy has another flashback where he remembers the man in black uh carrying dolores away in much the same fashion um dragging her away and uh so teddy of course is not uh crazy about that and ends up uh beating the shit out of ed harris and tying him up yeah uh which is a great you know off script moment for uh for teddy yeah there's a with the next scene when we come back to them there's there are a couple of things that i find really interesting um about teddy's character and how much he changes just in this episode um, which is good because I, I've kind of felt thus far he's been a, a wholly underused character and actor. Um, that was good to see them kind of stretching that that side of things out a bit. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and we kind of end there. Then we're we're back with Maeve and Felix and Sylvester. She is uh, being 
carted up to the behavioral floor uh, to mm-hmm. be reprogrammed. Yep. And uh, this is the point where Felix is like, hey, I got to shut you down now. Is that cool? And she uh, she says, yeah, that's fine. And says, Sylvester, good luck. Which, of course, is not menacing <laughs> at all. And Sylvester should think everything's going just fine. Um, yeah, yeah. Sylvester, like, this is frustrating. These are the frustrating parts that we talk about. If Sylvester is so concerned, so concerned that Felix is kind of the smitten kitten in this scenario, um, Sylvester takes the pad off and he performs the operation himself. But I don't think he knows how to do that. I, like, I, I think Felix was always the guy who had the, you know, stolen behavioral pad and all. Like yeah, I, but he knows how to switch her off, and that's all they need to do, is switch her off. Like, once she's switched off, they can brick her then if they want, um, or do anything. He doesn't He doesn't even stand over his shoulder. He totally trusts Felix. After all the... After all the shit that's happened, he trusts Felix to not only switch her off, but then wipe her clean without standing over his shoulder, without doing anything... Um, I'm just going to say that Sylvester gets what's coming to him in this episode. Oh, for sure. He is he is more than a little bit of a dimwit. Um, yeah. He's right, but he's also gross, and he's a dimwit, which is mm-hmm. way more characterization than the next character we go to, which is Lee, the uh, the writer. <laughs> I was wondering if we were ever going to see him again. I, I, I wasn't aware that if he'd been fired or whatnot. Last time we saw him, he was pissing from a great height um, upon the the Delos map of Westworld um, and found out that Hale was actually a woman he chatted up earlier on. Um, so he is programming a cannibal for for a new story that Ford has, kind of. Yeah. Well, he thinks so. And kind of here's my problem with the character of Lee, is that he's kind of... You've always had a problem with him since the start, in fairness. Yeah, he's he's kind of an obnoxious blowhard who's also a bit inept. And that's it. Like, that's his whole character, is that he's... He is that in every scene. I wish he, there were a little more humanity to him uh, yeah. than just being a, a kind of a dum-dum. But that's... Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of I kinda see him as that like obnoxious artist you know these people that are like oh you know oh listen here darling uh, you know i i'm an artist i'm a writer you know these sort of things like they do exist they're not common and they are a bit stereotyped um especially in his one that's probably my biggest gripe with the character is he feels like a stereotype yeah. of you know what what you know a kind of goofy creative type would be um and yeah, I would like to, I don't know, I get the feeling that that character may go somewhere a bit more interesting, but at the moment it kind of feels like they don't quite know what to do with him, so he just comes back every now and again, just almost to kind of pad out a story that we're not fully aware where it's going yet. Um and as a result, he's probably the only character in the show that if he made no appearance ever again, I wouldn't miss him. Um... Yeah, to, and, to, to, to do a callback to uh, a previous Duncan and Bo do a TV show, he's kind of like that dude from True Detective season two that you didn't like. Oh right, the the character that was closeted gay and that was it. Yeah, 
<laughs> that was that was literally everything to his character. What was he? What was it? Who was he acting again? Taylor Kitsch. That was Taylor Kitsch, who you said is not quite. Oh, who was the actor he looked like? Oh, uh, oh God, who Channing Tatum wasn't that? Not yeah, he's the Channing Tatum, Tatum we don't like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what Lee Sizemore is in this in this show. He's a character that is one dimensional, and if he wasn't in any more of the show, we wouldn't miss him at all. Well, this is as interesting as his character has been, I think. Uh, which, well, so Charlotte comes into his office and he's working on this host that's chewing on a leg and he's working on the dialogue and, and, you know, it's kind of a funny scene. And also I'm not, I'm I'm not ragging on the scene entirely, especially because Charlotte's great in it. Uh, Yeah. I think she, she does, she does almost a reversal of what Teresa did. So like Lee knew that something was going on confronted Teresa and Teresa basically destroyed him. And this one, Charlotte uses that the arrogance, the kind of almost self-appointed importance that Lee has and completely manipulates it. Completely manipulates it. Um because she at first, you know, says that, you know, um, Lee like points out that he was aware that Teresa had been a naughty girl and you know she'd maybe sent some information at the park and Charlotte comes clean with him and says, Listen, everything that Teresa did was at the be- bequest of Delos. She did exactly what she was told for for like a higher purpose. And uh, Lee's like, Well, you know, I've got important stuff as well you know what i mean see this character here i'm you know i'm, I'm programming him for forge you know what i mean for a, a really important story that he's creating that you don't know anything about and she's like well no that's that's already happened um you know ford's already got his like his arch villain uh wyatt and lee foolishly thinks that this cannibal sitting in front of him may be wyatt which i thought was kind of funny and she's like no nah, that's not right um, and then she plays on it and says, you know, do you want to maybe you want to be some help, maybe some assistance to me? Um, and of course, Lee being the sort of guy that he is, of course, hook, line and sinker, um, you know, falls for it straight away. Uh, and right. as, as, as putty in her hands, Bo, to be molded. Yeah, he's, he's one of like what I do like about the character, even though it's not terribly deep is that Lee is incredibly opportunistic and oh, yeah. easily manipulated. Yeah. So all you have to do is is present the a, a whiff of this could advance your career possibly and or this could somehow, you know, give you more power or more authority or whatever and he's, you know, a dog after a bone. He he can't he can't stop. Um so we're bouncing between that and then we go back to uh, the behavioral floor where Maeve is shut down. Sylvester is, uh, talks some shit. And then Maeve wakes up and freaks him out. And uh, she says, yeah, look, you don't think I knew your plan all along? And I think she says, even at a 14, referring to her uh, mental settings. Yeah. Uh, she says, even at a 14, you were no match for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then slits his throat. Yeah, she says that as part of the changes, it wasn't just like like the the changes to remove, you know, the, this explosive 
device from 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 her person or or to stop her leaving the park these deep coated rules she basically convinced Felix as well to remove um, certain parts of her programme, specifically the part of the programme which would allow her to hurt humans. Um, and with that, she grabs a scalpel and gives him a pretty nasty nick. Um, and Felix is clearly, visibly shocked by this um, and says, you said you weren't going to harm anyone. Now, I submit to you, Bo, that if the robot says to you, I want you to remove the part of the programme that prohibits me from hurting humans. Oh, by the way, I'm never going to hurt humans. I would say then we can just keep that part of the program intact. Right. What's <laughs> the harm then? No yeah, harm, no foul. Feel... It's fine. Now, once again, like, the frustration kicks in because Felix now, at this stage, I feel that Felix now sees that he's been manipulated. He has the pad in front of him. He can switch her off. No. Yeah, and and she even says like you know because uh, Felix uh, says like you you said you weren't going to hurt anybody, and mm. she's like oh well you you knew how duplicitous duplicitous I was. That was the word I was trying to say earlier, and I couldn't say. Yeah, but the, you slightly stumbled that as well. It doesn't make me look as bad. Well, I'm pretty drunk. <laughs> uh, it is it is after well, all well, noon. I'm Scottish, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's it's 12 p.m. here, Duncan. The drinking starts at 10. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of a, all these scenes are, are mildly frustrating, although it does, uh, end with, um, Felix stitching or using some, you know, near future medical device to, uh, to seal up the cut for Sylvester. So he is, uh, probably a pint low on blood, but otherwise, uh, seems okay and uh because Maeve says well we might need him later and then she says okay it's time for me to recruit my army now that she has been altered and uh with that we we take her to the park uh where it is a typical day in uh in Westworld uh here in Sweetwater with Maeve strolling down the street and then becomes Neo from the Matrix yeah, essentially, she she's exactly Neo from the Matrix because in every conversation that she has with any host, she almost rewrites her story. In fact, she narratively speaks out what is going to happen next, and the characters do exactly what she says. Yep, and it's you know like her getting it starts simple. It, it, it you know like with every Twilight Zone episode where like you have <laughs> genie wishes or something, where at first it's like oh, I just don't have a tab at the bar anymore and this guy's going to give me free drinks. And it's sort of a test run of like, can I just make people do what I want? And sure enough, it works. So now she has free license to, you know, not just change the world as she might want, but every every host that she encounters is her domain. And like, it, it, it's almost this transition of, I'm going to create this fake world or uh, recreate this fake world that's been real to me for so long in, in a way that I like to understanding like, oh, there's a meta game where I have to understand I don't need to manipulate just the world around me. I need to manipulate the host in a way that they understand that this is all just a construct too. Uh -huh. And so then, all right, so 
along with this, she's still having her flashbacks. Yeah. And we get the reveal that the man who killed um, Maeve and Maeve's child was the man in black. Like we see him stab her and we, and we've had these flashbacks all through the series where you see someone coming, you know, into her home and always kind of presumed it was like, Oh, it was an, you know, Indian raid or something like that. And nope, just the man in black showing up, stabbing the shit out of somebody because that's what man in black do. And man in black explains it. What I like about this as well is we get that reveal and then we get, it would be frustrating for me to see that reveal and then not get any information about it after seeing it for like an episode or two. But this episode gives you the explanation in the next scene with the man in black, which is, which is good. I think we need that. Um, which kind of takes us there really. Um, Cause like, essentially what we get is we get the usual scenario of the bandits arrive in town, uh, like uh, headed up by, uh, it's Hector, I think is yep, the name of the guy, isn't it? Hector shows up with badass chick with the scars. Uh, or it's a tattoo, isn't it? It's a yeah. dragon tattoo. Armistice, yeah, with the, yep. the dragon tattoo. Yeah, Armistice shows back up. They start doing their, their usual thing. Um, and Maeve kind of lets this play out, but manipulates people. She manipulates the, the law, the sheriff, to one, acknowledge them as good god-fearing folk which he does which i think is fucking brilliant because armistice shoots the guy right after he gives her the howdy little lady and shoots him in the back and she makes two uh deputies or two sheriffs uh do quick draw on each other yep and which once again pretty funny Uh, and whilst this is all playing out we then jump to man in black who is tied up um oh wait oh not yet duncan Oh, oh, have I jumped? I've jumped uh, something. Yeah, you have. Probably my personal favorite scene from the uh, the episode, in which uh, we cut to Bernard and uh, Doctor Ford. <gasps> oh yes, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where Ford is saying, "It, it, it uh, look, I love it when the show gets philosophical, and this is one of the more interesting scenes, philosophically speaking." Yeah, and it's Ford saying, "Like, hey, Bernard, good work. Uh, you're reinstated." Good on you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, operation, operation, remove old life was a success, right? And then he says, "You know, uh, Bernard. Uh, uh, you know, after Ford compliments him and whatnot, uh, Bernard says, you know, uh, some. It looks like something's bothering you, Doctor Ford.' And uh, Anthony Hopkins says, "Yes, Bernard. Ever the student of human nature." Um, <laughs> you're really good at that <laughs> and he he ends up talking about like i i kind of wonder what you really feel because mm-hmm. like you understand what you are now and so i'm curious about that and bernard is like you know hey i understand that i'm of this construct uh but i also have all these feelings and I don't know if these feelings are real or not, but they, they seem real to me. And it's, you know, the, the death of my son and, and losing my wife and all that stuff. Like it, you know, once again, returning to the theme of Ford saying, well, it's that suffering that makes you yeah. lifelike to people. You real. Know? Yeah. He it, it, it says that you of all people should understand the minutes of a backstory. 
you need to have that backstory. Like, if you... And I was thinking about this, this is actually really, really, really clever of the show, because when you think about it, every altercation you've ever had with anyone, what they say to you, the way they act is a product of all their experiences, everything they went through. Yeah. Um, and every conversation you have, like sometimes you'll sit and speak to someone and they may be a bit crabbit and they may be a bit angry with you. Um, or they may just be angry or sad or unbelievably chirpy. And that is that is distilled, you know, that is born out of whatever experience they've had that day, that week, that month, that year. Um, and I, I really like this, this interaction um, because it, it draws out, like you say, this, this philosophical question um, from Bernard to basically saying, well, if I have all these memories and I have this pain, this memory and this pain and all the rest, doesn't that make me alive? You know, I'm yeah. alive then. If you know, what's it? What is it between me and you that is different then? Um, and and Hopkins says, you know, this was the question that consumed Arnold, drove him mad. Um, yeah, which is brilliant because we don't, we've never, like, once again, we're getting a bit more about the backstory of Arnold. And Arnold, all we know is something happened. He became obsessed with the robots and he quote unquote killed himself. Um, but I love this idea of, you know, like whilst he was working on them, the more almost like Felix looking at um at Maeve, the more time he spent with them, the more he started to believe that they were alive. And this this question literally drove him insane, considering the park is designed to be an outlet for people to murder, rape, kill, have sleep with, use, abuse, love, um, mistrust, believe, you know, all, all these different feelings, all these different actions against these hosts. And how okay would that be if they weren't robots and they were people? Um, and this, this idea, this almost this, this understanding of where things were going to go in this park and this idea of what they were doing, you know, drove this guy, this creator, insane um and what i love about this is hopkins answer uh, like hopkins is like that you know it, it, it was never a complicated question for me the way that hopkins sees people and this explains why he said that Teresa's story had come to an end yeah uh, in the previous series because that's how he sees humans as well he sees humans as on the same evolutionary scale um as hosts yeah, well, um, yeah, because he ultimately says, you know, what is the difference between me and you? There isn't mm -hmm. one. Like, yeah. because people are, are, are spending, you know, Arnold included, spend all this time debating consciousness as if it's a thing that exists. But yeah. it's not. And he says, you know, human beings are stuck in their own loops, just like the hosts are. They're, um, you know, uh, whether it's their jobs or whatever. He even says... You know, most people are just stuck in these loops. They do the same thing day after day, and they're very content most of the time just to be told what to do. Yeah. And that's the same as the host. There's, you know, and I, it was such a great, like, re revelation about that character because mm -hmm. there had been this constant question of, like, well, what does he think about the host achieving consciousness? And it's a moot question because he doesn't he believe doesn't... human beings have consciousness yeah which explains i think it just explains his 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 motivation and outlook on everything yeah like if you know what i mean is it, it, it clears up it answers a lot of questions i've had about that i mean i 
kind of strained to debate in the last episode if I thought Ford was a good guy or a bad guy. And I don't think I'm ever going to get an answer to that question because I don't think he's either. Um, and I kind of like that. You know what I mean? Yes, he, he had Teresa murdered. And yes, he made Bernard a, a robot he created and he programmed to suffer to kill the woman he loved. Um, which isn't nice. Uh, it would make him a villain, but I think he he's so detached from humanity or sees humanity in such a weird aspect that he can't be, he almost can't be judged on that. It's weird to say. I, I, I don't think, I don't think, if, if someone told me that Ford was ultimately the hero of this, this show, I don't think I'd be happy about that. And if someone ultimately told me he was the villain, I, I still wouldn't be happy. I kind of like this, this environment he appears to occupy himself within the show. Um, it's what makes him one of the most fascinating things about the show. Um, and this conversation, once again, like you say, it's great that a show like this can put that, those questions and that dialogue in there without it feeling forced or contrived um, whilst getting a point over and giving backstory to characters without it feeling like, oh, here's the token scene where something's explained. Um it just fits perfectly. It's like it's like the the perfect jigsaw, uh, where pieces are just you know as we're going along, these pieces are being um, slotted and unveiling the, the 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 big picture. And I feel after this episode, we know quite a bit more about Ford. Still have a million questions, um, but know more about his motivations um, than than we did in the previous episodes. Oh, for sure. And I, uh, I think there's also a giant, uh, what I think is a giant revelation at the very end of this scene, mm -hmm. which is Ford saying, all right, Bernard, I'm going to, uh, and, and he seems almost benevolent when he says it, when he, he says like, I don't want you to worry about this, Bernard. I'm going to take that away. Yeah. Um, and he says, because to, to hold on to those memories, you know, some of the hosts get lost in them. Every. Yeah, and then he says uh, he puts the tag on it every now and then, you mm -hmm. know, which I think is really upsetting the apple cart of this show a bit. Maybe I'm I'm overthinking it, but the whole show has been about like this uh, push towards consciousness on the part of the hosts, and all of a sudden now we get this reveal from Ford, who's like, "Oh yeah, this happens," you know. If not all the time, then certainly time enough that I know what it is when it happens. And yeah, see, I thought, I don't know if it's, I think it's only with certain characters that happens. Because um, certainly the the scene that we get with the story from the man in black regarding Maeve, which we're about to move on to, kind of covers that of what happens when someone gets stuck you know, it's like this. I don't know if it's necessarily what he's saying is occasionally the the question of consciousness comes up and that's what drives him or it's that something happens to the character and they can't, they get stuck in a loop, so to speak. Well, and, and of something that they can't break and he has to clean it. Yeah, well, and, and that, I mean, the very next thing we see, and in fact, part of his line is voiceover for William and Dolores finally making their way to the place that she remembers as home from yeah. way back in the, you know, the early days of Westworld. 
And we actually get like this really cool scene where, you know, when she looks over this empty town, suddenly she remembers it as populated, which of course means that she's living in this moment when, when it's populated. And we see like, uh, the early versions of the hosts. Yeah. You see someone teaching them how to dance, um, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And, and my favorite thing about that is one of the dancing hosts, um, gets distracted by a butterfly yeah, <laughs> and starts to wander after it like Frankenstein's monster or something. Uh-huh. And they're like, nope, nope, dancing. Forget about the butterfly. Come here. And yeah, it's all very stilted and, and that kind of thing. So you can tell it, it, it truly is the early days of uh, Westworld. But we see like Maeve is in there. Um, you know, a lot of the characters that we've become familiar with on the show these are the early incarnations of of their personalities and this is this area is the area that we saw ford at ages ago when he saw the a church spire yep out, out like coming out the sand um so this is this area it's also alluded to earlier on that well i say alluded to charlotte says that ford has found an old town in the in the park, which he or has come back across this old town, which he's going to build up for the next part of the story. So you've got to, if you're me, you've got to think that's it. You know what I mean? That this is this town. So we're all everything's being pointed here for some reason at the moment. I, I feel with that that particular storyline has all been pointed in this direction in the past, assuming that this particular storyline with William and uh, Dolores is in the past and in the future as well. We're being brought back to this place, um, which I think is quite interesting. But the vision that she has ends with um, Maeve's quote-unquote daughter uh, basically acknowledging her um speaking to her and then she has this further flashback of everyone in the town dead at her hands she has this gun and she's shot everyone and she puts a gun up to her head and she's about to shoot herself and William wakes her up from this vision um, and Dolores is a bit to say freaked out is an understatement um, and we see that the town's actually buried under sand now that's why we can only see the church spire. We yep. see some roofs, um, but it's completely buried under sand. Um, and we we have like Dolores, full meltdown, full freak out. You know, I I don't know what's real. I don't know what's real. Are you even real? You know, I don't know what's happening. And um, William's like concerned. He thinks that maybe she's been away <laughs> from like the, the basically starts treating her like a robot. Um, at this point, you know, we'll just get you away from these bad memories that are, you know, affecting your programming and, and all the rest. And as they're walking along, they see on the distance what they think are some uh, potential Union soldiers or Confederados who are going to be there to save them. And it doesn't turn out to be help, so to speak. Um, unless you think that his brother-in-law, Logan, is help. Do you think he's helped? I do not, Duncan. I think <laughs> uh, he is doing a little payback for a William abandoning abandoning him back in Pariah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, the interesting thing I thought about this scene was um, Dolores asking the question, is this now? 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we're, if we're going to follow the two timelines theory, then this is, you know, William as the man in black 30 years prior to the events of the man in black storyline that we see with Ed Harris with Dolores in the town that is in the, again, in the modern or later man in black timeline yep. is being excavated by Ford. Yeah. And that Dolores is who knows what part of part of it maybe, but at any yeah, rate. Cause, cause all the interactions we've had with Dolores, if we're doing the two timeline theory, all the interactions we've had with Dolores and the last six or seven episodes are in the past. And the only time we've seen Dolores in the in the present timeline, the man in black timeline, uh, would be the first two episodes. Right. If that's if that's right. the way we're working. So she is still back, you know, living at home with her father, um, waiting on Teddy coming back, because Teddy has some unfinished business to take care of. Um and that is purely, you know, she's still there. She's still going through the the through this those steps. Maybe, and the reason I say maybe is we have not seen her, and they've obviously deliberately removed her from the, the Maeve storyline because every day she's supposed to drop her tin uh, and someone's supposed to come across and help her and that storyline's to play it. We've seen none of that at all and that is to give maybe the illusion that it's all set at the same timeline. Um, so I know why they're doing it, but I think I can kind of see through it now. Um, the Man in Black is tied up. Um, Wait. Oh, I know, I, I know you're itching to get there, but we can't got, wait to get there I know, because this I know. to me is definitive proof that Man in Black is William. Uh, I th- all right, we'll we'll get to it. But uh, so first, though, couple of notes back at uh, Delos. Yes. Um we have Charlotte and Lee in the basement amongst the army of the the dead uh, replicants. Um, yes. So, but all right. So her plan is all right. I. Obviously, Charlotte got compromised. We still need to get this information out of the park. So I'm going to use Lee as my my toady. Mm-hmm. And we're going to reactivate the host that was Dolores' father that God. went bananas. Yeah. <laughs> the first one to say, you know, the, these violent delights have violent ends, that guy. Yeah. And they're going to wake him up because the host's brains... Uh, have enough storage space to get all the data out of Delos that they they were trying to get out with Teresa and the satellite. Mm-hmm. So um, Lee's and and so the plan is to activate him, upload it, and then get this host out of the park. Yep. And Lee's like, "Well, how do I do that?" And uh, Charlotte says, "Well, you're a writer. Figure it out." Which I don't think is a great comeback because. Writers aren't necessarily the people you want for subterfuge. Yeah, plus this guy's not great. <laughs> right, and and you're also dealing with a dimwit. Yeah. So, uh, but we leave them there, and then another scene that is going to feed into my theory later. Oh, is uh, we we have the the head of security yeah, run into Bernard. Bernard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he kind of pulls him aside and is being a being a guy, being a buddy. And he's like, hey, Bernard, let me be a guy for a second. Uh, <laughs> hey. Play my guy card. Yeah. Man, I'm going to be a guy here. Just talk straight with you. And he says, uh, look, I know 
uh, you and Teresa were together. I know you guys were trying to keep it on the down low, but you know, I, my job is security. I knew about it. And I just want to say on a personal level, sorry, I'm sorry that happened. You know, if you need anything, let me know kind of thing. Being a guy. Yeah. And Bernard is like, uh, well, that doesn't look like anything to me at all. Um, (laughs) Because he says, like, you know, look, I've been throwing myself into my work. That's where I get satisfaction. And I don't uh, I I didn't really know her that well. Clearly, you know, I respected her, but that was kind of it. And. Uh, and it ends with him saying like, yeah, um, have you heard anything from Elsie? And he's like, eh, she's probably just enjoying her time off. It's fine. And yeah. that's it. But it's enough of, uh, an outlier in terms of how, uh, Bernard behaves mm-hmm. that it certainly raises some questions because oh, yeah. Stubbs is the Stubbs is like wholly confused by this. Yeah, because it's not like he didn't, like he was trying to cover something up. Like, it, it truly was the reaction of somebody that didn't know what the hell you were talking about, you know? Yeah. And and I think that's what throws him. It's not that Bernard seems to be being duplicitous, see? Yeah. And yeah well, it, what? It's uh, <laughs> it's that he, he genuinely does not have any recollection of this relationship and, and is behaving thusly. Yeah. Um, and and so now, Duncan, we come to the scene that you cannot shut up about. <laughs> uh, right. This answers so much. It does. Uh, it does. Also right. raises some questions, but answers so much. So enough, enough uh, dilly dallying. Enough uh, fufara. Oh, fufara is a good one. Yeah, uh, let's talk about the man in black tied tied up in the camp with uh, Angela. Uh, her name is and and Teddy, uh, and Teddy accuses him. I'm gonna set the stage, Duncan. Then you go yep. ape shit. So <laughs> Teddy is like, look, the only people who survive out, out here are men of conviction. He's like, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about you, Mister. Yeah, he also he also says like he also confirms Teddy confirms at this point that he is, in some respects, fully aware that he is a robot. I don't know if you picked up on that because he basically says, you know, to do with her conviction and all the rest. And he, his conviction is that he must protect Dolores at all costs. Right. So he knows that. He's fully aware of that. So that's acknowledging his story. He also acknowledges that, you know, what Wyatt's story is. So he fully acknowledges that. And then says, you know, the only thing I'm, the only thing I don't know is what you, you know, what's your motivation? What are you here for? I don't know anything about you. And the man in black tells him, you know, he's that he's a businessman. He's, you know, he's like, I'm God. I'm a businessman. Oh wait, before he tells him that, he uh, he accuses Teddy, and he's like, look, you're just here basically to lead me to Dolores. You're nothing but a glorified pimp. That's right, which is pretty cool. And, Ted, and Teddy <laughs> smacks the shit out of him and says, I'm going to kill you. And Ed Harris is like, no, you aren't, because you can't. He, he, said, he basically says, you're just waiting on that. Because he says like about remembering stuff, and he's like, I will just wait till your you know your program kind of kicks back in and everything goes back to normal. And you're, you know, your point is to, to, to basically lead me to, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, you know, I'm a businessman. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm, you know... I, I, I'm all these things. I am God, essentially. Um, 
And then he tells them of a little story. And this little story uh, is of what basically has spurred him on this path that he's now on. Um, Which kind of starts with the fact that he acknowledges that he was married for 30 years. Now, for those doing the math, right, for those doing the math, why is William in the park? Well, he just got married, Duncan. He just got married, and through a conversation with William and Logan, um, they acknowledged that it's four years after Arnold's death, right? We also know that in the future timeline, um, that <laughs> I am now saying future timeline, um, it's 34 years after Arnold's death. So if we do a little bit of math here, subtract the four years um, after Arnold's death that we've experienced with, with Logan, um we know that there's 30 years past. And if there's 30 years past and his wife's died, that would mean that William, who's been married for 30 years, is the man in black. I think that's I think that is definitive now. I think it's very difficult to wiggle out that one. I can unless all... he's unless he's Logan, which doesn't make any sense at all. No, that doesn't make any sense. Uh but I can also confirm that the character of Angela was in fact the host that William. So uh, there we go. I, I so yeah. I, I think I think we're done here, Duncan. <laughs> Job done. We don't need to watch the last two episodes. Your Honor, the prosecution rests. <laughs> you see, sure, I got one more question. You see, um, that was my Colombo. It was terrible. Yeah, and he and Colombo isn't usually in a courtroom. Oh, he is in this one. Right. There's one episode of Colombo. He's in a courtroom. In the I one can where... put Colombo wherever I want. He's dead, though, right? All right. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I, I don't want to. Was Austin Westworld? Uh, just try to solve. Just try to solve. You see, sure. I just, you know, my wife. You see, she loves these shows with the westerns, and I don't know why I keep doing. I, I don't side. either because it's closer to Bill Cosby than Peter Falk. <laughs> well, you see, I would like to talk to you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Which is my really bad Eddie Murphy doing a a, a little impression. Of. Yeah, we, no, let's let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, um, let, let, let's rein this back in. But yeah, so um, he's yeah, he was a family man. Uh, the wife dies, and she, she dies after taking accidentally, as he describes it, some medication and then going for a bath and not waking up. The um, wrong pills, he says. The wrong pills. Um, and at her funeral, the daughter confronts him. His beautiful daughter that he has confronts him and basically says, you know, it was no accident. You basically drove her to do that. You know what I mean? Because you're this this evil, manipulating man and all the rest. All the things which he is in the park, which he isn't in his real life, seem to have spilled over. So once again, it brings me back to this theory that something is going to happen with Dolores and William that he is going to take. He's going to take this experience out of the park with him. He's going to be a different guy when he goes out. I think and I'm just going to put forward a, a theory here. I think he's going to kill Logan. Oh, okay. And he's going to basically that's going to catapult him up the company. I think he will kill Logan. Uh, which will ultimately make him a major shareholder as the man in black um, of of Westworld. Um, but I think that that's the part that will change him. 
is ultimately it won't just be killing a host. It'll be maybe he kills him to protect Dolores or something, but I think that action fundamentally changes him and that's what makes him into this evil guy out with. Because he basically, Terry asked him, you know, you know, are you a bad man? You know, were you bad to your wife or whatever? And he's like, no, I was always the, I was always the good guy. And and guess what? I'm the good guy here as well. You know, I'm the good guy. I know, I know, of like it may seem that I'm the bad guy, but no, 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 I'm the good guy. <laughs> like, which I, I was kind of thinking, really, really, man in black, really. But then we've we've already kind of hypothesized that previously as well. Is what what if the man in black is actually the good guy of this TV show? Oh, we did you know, yeah. Yeah, so once again, maybe tipping its, its cap towards something we've already said. So anyway, um, if he tells this story about what happened to him after his wife died and he visited the park and he decided that when he, you know, instead of playing by the rules and following Ford's storylines, he would go off-piste, so to speak, and he travelled out to this in a prairie house and found a mother and daughter who was Maeve and her daughter and just for the fuck of it just for the fuck of it he drove a knife into Maeve's stomach to watch her die and then decided you know for shits and giggles he'd put a bullet between uh, the, the daughter's eyes um, which he duly does he, he shoots the daughter and in this story he basically says that Maeve, instead of dying like she should have, um, came back and was overcome overcome with grief. Uh, she was grief-stricken and grabbed the daughter and ran outside with her, uh, desperately trying to, you know, to, 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 to grieve, bring her daughter back. And she collapsed in the centre of a pattern. And that pattern, Bo, is the... Oh, it is the maze, sir. And he it's says, the maze. That is when the maze revealed itself to me. That's when it revealed itself to me. So when he went off script, when he didn't follow Ford's storyline, that's when it first, you know, first revealed itself to him. And that's why he's back. He also said that in that moment, Maeve appeared human to him. And I think that's what he thinks the quest, which we've already said to the maze actually is, is like almost this kind of, the humanity of of the robots or the, or the hosts and not to do too much i told you so in here <laughs> oh, oh do please do but as the man in black describes what he believes the maze is huh? it is almost almost 100 percent what i i said a couple episodes back which is this is a place where you can be killed and the man in black is on the hunt for it to to find an experience that he he can't get anywhere else. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I'm not saying that I know everything about everything, Duncan. I'm saying I nailed that like a son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there's a couple of we've already said there's a couple of telling things about the maze as a shape. Um, the maze, the way we've seen it before, looks like the device that creates the hosts from scratch yep. um, there, there appears to be a being in the middle of it it's also shaped like a brain um, if you look at it from an aerial shot it looks very much like a drawing of a brain um, so this idea of unlocking consciousness or, un or unlocking humanity as well um, and I originally had thought that maybe 
maybe Dolores was going to make some sort of Dolores was going to be pivoted some way to make you know a stand against the Man in Black. That's certainly how the story is kind of played itself out, minus the the two timeline story. But I'm now like a hundred percent convinced. No, that's Maeve. Maeve and the Man in Black are going to have a showdown, um, and she has already deactivated the part which stops her from harming humans, <laughs> um, which is what he wants. So. Watch this space. I think she has a full memory of what the man in black did. And yeah, I think he's going to well, get what he wants. You know, and the and the thing that's inserted into this scene with the man in black telling the story is Maeve deciding she's going to fuck off out of Westworld. And, yeah. And is heading outside. It tells new Clementine, like, hey, the house is yours. I'm taking off. And clementine follows her outside and Maeve has a flashback at that point which is the man in black killing her and, and her child yeah and she the ins- after effect as well the after effect of her in the room with bernard and with ford and her once again still grief-stricken saying you know do not take these memories away from me because this pain that i have is all that i have left of of my daughter you, you can't take this away from me i need this and i love this as well in that they're what they're trying to do here is not working they can't override it and then hopkins you know does a little jiggery pokery plays some sort of little musical tune and says that it's a little trick that a friend left arnold obviously um a little trick that he had there to sedate and control the robots and then he put he presses the memory wipe button and as that's that memory wipes going through, she pulls the knife out of her stomach and slits her own throat. Now, you are we assuming that that stops the memory wipe? Uh, either that or, like, I'm not sure that it happened at the same time, even. Yeah. Because, because then we cut to her back in the room as the security team sent out to retrieve her, you know, shows yeah. up. Well, so the, the the clip we jump to is that she she's already manipulated everyone. We see her slit her throat in the room, but in real life Westworld, she slits Clementine's throat. Yeah. And this shocks everyone. Guests, hosts, the works are all like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Um, and then all these, these men show up with guns. She basically talks to another host it uh, gives him a little backstory, a little narrative story where he starts like putting down some cover fire as she escapes. We jump to um Stubbs being told that the you know the 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 madame, the host, um is a has gone a bit rogue. Should we send in a crew? He says yes. She escapes to her room. She's sitting down staring at the mirror as they come through. Um most likely to take her back to be examined, which is kind of what she wants. This is because she's going to end up in the behavioral unit, which is what she wants next. Right. It, it's time. It, yeah. And she can, you know, override a lot of her programming and all that stuff. Oh, gotcha. So, yeah. So, uh, and then we end back with Teddy and the man in black and Teddy is still giving the man in black some business. But not for long, because he is uh, almost immediately stabbed in the shoulder 
by Angela. Yeah. Who is an agent for Wyatt. Yeah, all the Wyatt folk shop and they they are terrifying because they're all wearing black hoods and some of them have horns and you know it's just like uh, just just weird like what should not be in this scene uh Wyatt's trip um so we know for a fact we did see them earlier on and we st- we need to work out why it is that they are difficult to kill yeah so I've been explained yet and I think is that is that Ford up in the ante so to speak or or what is it what is it that makes Wyatt's trip damn near impossible to slay yeah it's a good question I I you know I don't have a, a good answer or even a good theory about that other than what you said that this is just part of Ford's story to make these you know monstrous creations more more threatening mm-hmm. um but I will all right now is the time for conjecture Duncan go for it all right, so I've been sitting on this one. The uh, the robot that's being made uh, in the you know Ford's childhood home uh, in Westworld, the old fabricator. Yep, it's gonna be Elsie. Because right, she, yeah, I'll go with that. All yeah. right, because they they keep saying like, hey, she just took a, a few days off, and her body's not appeared either. Right, and so if you have an Elsie. Uh, bot, then your Elsie bot is now in security and you can start to keep an eye on stubs. I like where this is going. I like where this is going. This is, yeah, and yeah, no, that makes that makes 100% sense because why is Elsie not being discovered but Teresa was? Right, and I, I just don't think you're going to get an actress like Shannon Woodward to be in, you know, four episodes and not much of those. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong about that, but... Uh, yeah, so I think that's going to happen in terms of grander projections. Obviously, we're all coming together uh, where you've got Teddy and the man in black, you know, meeting up with Wyatt um, or being taken to Wyatt. And then we, you know, have William and Logan and that situation in theory in the earlier timeline. And I think what we're going to see is we're going to get the reveal of the two timelines and then start to see that stuff bouncing back and forth uh, within the episodes to kind of show like, oh, this is what really started the man in black's path to the maze. And the other side of that is going to be, you know, the man in black discovering the maze. Yeah, well, I, I I don't necessarily even think it's going to be the the man in black's journey to the maze. I think it's just going to be the reveal of what he does that essentially is going to corrupt him morally to make him the man in black. Because if we if we're if we're to believe that the what set the we've already found out that what set the man in black's journey to the maze was what happened with him with Maeve that's kind of kicked that off. That was the, the start of his fascination with it. Um, it's been mentioned briefly to William in the past timeline because um, that's essentially what, on some level, what Dolores is looking for. That I think what we will get is the... I think we will see... I, I'm almost 100% convinced now that what we are going to see is William kill Logan um, and like it. Like actual like 
what he's done or justify it or whatever. I think it's going to horrify uh, Dolores um, or it's going to do something to Dolores that's going to make her, you know, for all we know, she might actually come across the part of her code from Arnold, which is forcing her to do something. I think you're right. I think we are still going to get the two timelines in the same episode, though, where we're obviously aware it is two timelines. Um, and I think the Man in Black's journey... We've only got two episodes, so we have to assume that he's going to defeat Wyatt, maybe, and end up at the maze. But I don't think we're going to get a close on that one. Um, what was interesting about this one is... Uh, is another com uh, another comment that that the man in black actually makes um, during his confession, so to speak, about Maeve, where he mentioned about all the different places he owns. Right, and right. I I don't know if you got excited like I did about that one, and then started thinking about maybe Westworld is just one of many parks. Right, did we go um, to medieval world and future or world? future or future yeah. world? Yeah, like this sort of idea as well. Um, which you know, like it, it, I, when he mentioned that, I was just like, "Oh my god!" You know what I mean? <laughs> How big is this world? Um, so I mean, there could still be a reveal that they're on a spaceship. That could still happen. I think it's less likely now, but um, it could definitely still happen. But that's, I mean, this we, we might not even be on Earth, Bo. Yeah, very, very possibly. I, you know, I, my spaceship theory is not. It gets less crazy with every episode, I would argue. Yeah, it, it might not. They might not necessarily be on a spaceship, but they might not necessarily be on Earth. Right. Right. So I, I, I think that's what's quite interesting is this idea that there are many different worlds or many different parks and different worlds, um, which kind of got me very excited about, especially knowing the longevity of the show. Now I feel that when we get that reveal. Um, about the two timelines and certainly about the Delos plot and you know things like that that carries over in a second season well I don't know how much longevity you get out of a second season without expanding things further because um, if you give away all the secrets in this first this first season is the second season just there to tie up the story where's the long I know that HBO are kind of really hoping that Westworld becomes their new Game of Thrones i.e. is on the telly for quite a while um, so they need to kind of really do more with it I think and that might be what they do uh, they might expand out to for all we know they might close off quite a lot of this story quite a lot of these characters by the end of this season and start with new stories and new characters for season two. I don't know. Um, well, you could do kind of a meta reveal where yeah. you're like, you could, you could do some reveal about the nature of the park itself or the maze itself or whatever. And, and I, you know, not to talk in too vague terms, but to say that, Oh, what we thought the show w was about was actually about this other thing. And then yeah. going into season two with that understanding, it allows you to tell a very different kind of story. I uh, mean, also you've got to take into account as well that it's been greenlit for season two, which isn't coming until 2018. So... Yeah, I so mean, it could be a closed loop here. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's a, there's, yeah, there's, there's, a, very, there's a, a very realistic... Um, like, it almost seems to me, like, see, when they say that, it almost kind of seems to me as if maybe they didn't expect it. I don't know why you wouldn't expect this to get a second season. 
Um, but maybe the you know the the fact that they're taking a bit longer. I know, like that we're talking about Game of Thrones money um, has been spent on this. This season has cost them a hundred million dollars, which roughly equates to ten million dollars per episode, which is what Game of Thrones costs. Um, so with budgets like that, it, it maybe doesn't make sense to have Game of Thrones filming at the same time as Westworld, just for the sheer financial output. Um, that they have, or maybe they're they're deliberately delaying off to 2018 because they know that Game of Thrones finishes in 2018 and they can kick off Westworld and really put a lot of energy into that to carry that on, I don't know. Um, but it does raise some interesting questions about where the nature of this show goes in a season two, knowing that we feel so tantalisingly close to a lot of answers to episodes from the end of season one. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I could see them wrapping this thing up in a couple of episodes mm-hmm. um, and and just, like you said, going to a different park entirely or a different part of the park's history entirely or whatever. Um, but I don't know. It feels like there's enough loose threads out there that, you know, people smarter than me can make a second season that continues the storyline. But I, I, I think to your point, like, how long do you keep Anthony Hopkins around? Yeah, it you becomes know. that it's it's like once again to use the a show that we've already mentioned in this episode, Lost, is the is the prime example of why sometimes it's better to do, you know, have a a definitive end to your story and bring it sooner rather than later, because um, there are a couple of seasons of Lost that tread water. Um, and as a result, when you get to that reveal, so many people had already put out that theory. Like, we're, we're all, Lost almost parallels Westworld because the two timeline theory and the William is the, the man in black have been around since episode two from fans. Um, and the not quite correct reveal of Lost was around about halfway in the first season of Lost. Um People were kind of right, but they were also wrong. Uh, the, the ultimate ending of Lost was just a, it was a slight inverse of what people had said. Um, but yeah, that, that theory had been going all, along for a while. So when it reached the end, even though I quite liked the end of Lost, a lot of people were didn't one didn't understand the ending of it, uh, thought it was what had this kind of idea of them all being dead, which was not correct. Um, but, you know, had known that, or had thought that for like about five years before the show finished. So, you know, they parried it with all these different things to ultimately that didn't go anywhere, like weird timelines and all the rest. It didn't feel satisfied or, or tie in that. It's great that we maybe get that second season and go more into what Hopkins' real plan is or what the real story behind Delos is and and whatnot. We move away from characters like the Man in Black and from Dolores and maybe from Maeve even and move into you know, this more insidious backstory sort of thing. I don't know how satisfying that is. Um, I, I really enjoy the time we get inside Westworld and I think that's where the show works. Not at its best, but I think that's where the show reminds you that is, is very good at crafting intelligent philosophical discussions with the lowest common denominator of, you know, this is a Western. Uh, look at the cowboys, look at people getting shot, look, there's some prostitutes there. You know, these sort of things. It uh, balances it very, very, very well that I think if it leans too heavily on either side, it loses that, that balance that it has. 
that yeah, I'm I, I'm totally interested. I've said before this season won me over by episode three. I was already declared myself devoted to. I think it is easily up there as some of the best TV I've seen this year. Um, that has me. You know, there is no worry. I'm I am on board. I'm on point. I am with Westworld. Um, I can't wait to see where the last two episodes take us. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I I, I really feel like uh, the last two are going to be hopefully really surprising. You know, I mean, with the 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 thing with William being the Man in Black and the two timelines feeling so concrete at this point. Yeah, I, I hope the show doesn't over dramatize that reveal because yeah. I, 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 it would, I want to think that they know themselves now that they have put as as more than just hints now they've pretty much come out and said it that if they have a whole other episode where it's not they need to make that reveal in the next episode yeah i agree i i think you do both reveals in in the next episode and then episode 10 is your finale acknowledging those secrets you know um yeah i'm excited man we're as of this recording we are you know 36 ish hours away from <laughs> yeah. uh from episode nine dropping so um yeah. are we a week and two days away from the finale yeah yeah oh god and then what we're we gonna do both uh well then we'll probably do duncan and Bo come correct which will be movies <laughs> instead of westworld <laughs> which in fairness we probably should have started weeks ago but um uh i've a great listener, uh, Joseph, put us on this this trail, and by God, what what I've re- I I know I would have enjoyed the show, and I know me and you would have done a lot of talking about it. I don't know if I would have enjoyed the show on the level or the conversations on the level that I had, because what would have happened is we would ultimately been doing Duncan and Bo come correct, and the first twenty five minutes of each episode would be us basically condensing an hour and a half worth of conversation into twenty minutes. Just going, it's so fucking good. We should right. do a show about this um so yeah yeah plus we're ground floor now so in 2018 listeners prepare yourselves for duncan and Bo go to westworld 2 <laughs> the westworldening <laughs> uh so yeah I, I i can't wait to see what this show's got in store for us uh duncan you got anything else before we get out of here and uh and and start prepping for you know, God, whatever the hell's going to happen in episode nine? Uh, no, just um, I know we're slightly later with this one. Uh, that's on me and America's fascination with with celebrating weird things like Thanksgiving. Um, we are slightly later with it. We'll be back on track next week. You'll probably find that there isn't such a, a huge jump in time between these next two episodes. A lot of the questions we've, we've put up here... We'll probably be discussing answers within the next couple of days of you hearing this uh, from you hearing this episode. Um, and yeah, I just can't wait. I can't wait to get to the end of this season. Cannot wait. Yep. And uh, quick thanks to uh, to Alicia, uh, who had dropped us a note saying that uh, she didn't have any questions or anything for us, but uh, just wanted to let us know how much she's enjoying the show. So, uh, and and several people have been uh, quite kind and and said they're having a good time with it, as are we. So. Uh, thanks to everyone listening, and and as always, you can find this show and more at legionpodcasts.com, 
and over on iTunes at uh, Legion Podcasts. So uh, thank you again for listening. Uh, for everyone on uh, on Delos, uh, which is the planet, not the corporation, Duncan, the planet Delos, <laughs> wherein Westworld is contained. Uh, just get ready for that. That's going to be the next big reveal. Um, so uh, we will talk to you in just a few days to talk about episode nine. Uh, good night. Say good night, Duncan. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.